0: Music and film works in various ways and serves several purposes. For instance, it can be used to create atmosphere. Likewise, it can authenticate the film's tone. Also, it can establish character. Or it can help position the film's historical, political, cultural or geographical setting. In addition to all that, it can serve as a connective tissue between several events. It can also be used to alter the meaning of what we see, thereby transforming the observational to sad, factual to mythical, sincere to ironic. But more often than all those examples, film music, like all music, operates emotionally. lyrics. Just think of the most enduring and impactful songs written specifically for the movies. As Time Goes By, Mona Lisa, Mrs. Robinson, The Way We Were, 9 to 5, Fight the Power, You've Got a Friend in Me, Lose Yourself, Let It Go. But for me, few if any film songs come anywhere near the potency and aggregated meanings than falling in love again. Initially sung in German by Marlene Dietrich, as the club chanteuse Lola Lola, in Joseph von Sternberg's classic modern tragedy, The Blue Angel.
1: Made in 1930,
0: The Blue Angel was Germany's first feature-length talkie, and as such, songs provided the producers with the ideal opportunity to show off their groundbreaking development. But there was at least one ulterior motive. Firstly, von Sternberg felt he needed to consolidate the character of Lola Lola. So he asked Friedrich Hollander, already engaged as the film's composer, to extend his duties and provide an extra song. Prior to her singing Falling in Love Again, the film had already established that Lola Lola is lusted after by obsessive schoolboys who regularly sneak out of their dormitories to catch a glimpse of her stage act. One of the teachers at the school, Professor Rat, played by Emil Jannings, discovers what is going on and is so disgusted, if not concerned for the welfare of his charges, that he goes to the club in an attempt to warn them away. But the instant he sees Lola Lola, Rat too is smitten, and in return, Lola Lola seems to be enamored with the professor. That is until she sings the song. <laughs> The other ulterior motive was that UFA, the German studio behind the film, had a number of years earlier, struck a deal with Paramount Pictures and metro golden mayer The Parufa-Met agreement allowed for the Hollywood studios to release up to 20 pictures a year in Germany. While in return, the German studio, experiencing terrible economic hardship, was guaranteed financial stability. As for the Blue Angel in particular, Paramount Pictures were very keen on an English-language version as well. With silent pictures on the wane, what was the point in burdening audiences with subtitles? Which obviously meant gathering a bilingual cast. But it also meant the lyrics to Hollander's song had to be translated into English.
1: In love again, to. What's a girl to do?
0: Translating literally from German into English, Lola Lola sings... I am from head to toe prepared for love, because this is my world and nothing else other than that. That is, what should I do? My nature I can only love and nothing else other than that. Which is a pretty direct indication that Lola Lola has a very cynical, if not completely mercenary attitude towards love. In a word, love is a transaction. Which puts me in mind of this classic, written in the very same year by Cole Porter, and here, performed live in 1957 by Ella Fitzgerald. producers engaged Sammy Lerner, a veteran of the Siegfeld Follies, to put into English the lyrics to Hollander's original song. But no sooner had Lerner started than he found that the translated syllables simply would not settle on the rhythm. What resulted wasn't so much a translation as a complete rewrite, which utterly changed the meaning and tone of Hollander's song from an accurate summation of Lola Lola's cynical character into something defiantly romantic. But although Lerner certainly did not intend otherwise, the decades since have layered on new meaning and ironic significance. To begin, von Sternberg was not sold on the actress initially cast for the role of Lola Lola, Brigitte Helm, who had played the role of Maria in Fritz Lang's Metropolis. No, von Sternberg had other ideas, which was a severe setback as the producers had already been turned down by Greta Garbo and Louise Brooks. Still, the director went on looking. And one evening, while attending a performance of Georg Kaiser's musical Two Neckties, von Sternberg clapped eyes on the then relatively unknown Marlene Dietrich. Yes, she was 29, married and a mother. Yes, she had already appeared in 19 silent films. And yes, some of those performances had been the lead. But those films proved so marginal, Dietrich was now all but confined to the stage. But, much like Professor Grat in the film, Once von Sternberg saw Dietrich, he just couldn't help himself. Dear Miss Lola, will you permit me? May I ask you to be my wife? Von Sternberg would later describe Dietrich as a pictorial aphrodisiac. But if Dietrich had been just that, she wouldn't have been even a quarter of what she was. Enigmatically, Dietrich had four eyes. Indifference, independence, insolence, insouciance and it was that combination that truly made her a star. Whether sitting, standing or singing, Dietrich was all but indifferent as to what you felt about her. Her persona was so independent, she barely needed your look to confirm her self-esteem. If she were approached by someone on screen, she responded with an insolence just short of outright rejection, but just enough respect to draw yet more attention. She was the embodiment of insouciance. All that not only fascinated audiences, it besotted von Sternberg. Not just the director, but the man. And over the next five years, he cast Dietrich in six more films. Morocco, Dishonoured, The Shanghai Express, Blonde Venus, The Scarlet Empress and The Devil is a Woman. And with each film, von Sternberg grew more and more infatuated with Dietrich. And yet, she always maintained her distance. In von Sternberg's very hard-to-find autobiography, "Fun in a Chinese Laundry," he spends quite a lot of time settling old scores. But here he is in 1966 in a benevolent mood, being interviewed by Kevin Brownlow.
1: She's an extraordinary woman, and uh, she was a great beauty, and uh, and it was uh, she was a fine assistant, and uh, she responded beautifully, and uh, and uh, gave me an, an image very often, uh, which was not only exactly as I wanted, but very often better than I wanted, and uh, she was she was quite a gal.
0: In return, Dietrich acknowledged von Sternberg as being the first director to recognise and develop the quality she had. And here she is, towards the end of her life, being interviewed by Maximilian Schell for his brilliant documentary Marlena. Almost a quarter of a century earlier, back in 1961, Schell had starred with Dietrich in Stanley Kramer's Oscar-winning drama, Judgment at Nuremberg. My Fair private life is
1: completely separated from my professional life. Always was. I never, ever mixed my private life and my professional life. To conclude I know that. it would make it easier. I have rejected very many, very many, very important people. Nobody is going to enter my private life.
0: By changing the lyrics to Falling in Love Again and then having Dietrich sing What am I to do, I can't help it, Sammy Lerner unwittingly provided another meaning. Neither the film's camera nor its light could help but be drawn to the star. Arriving in Hollywood, Dietrich was luxuriated upon by cinematographers and with the time afforded to the lavish productions, Lee Garms and Charles B. Lang discovered the star needed a different lighting scheme. Here is Lying contributing to the AFR documentary *Visions of Light*.
1: I shot her on a picture called *Desire*, and uh, I found out that she, her face needs a, a completely different kind of a lighting—a high key light that wanted to go narrow her cheeks down and, and just made her look well. Sternberg, I think, found that out. Matter of fact, she almost insisted. She'd say, "That's the light up there. I'd like to use up there."
0: It is hardly any coincidence then that when, in 1990, David Fincher was given barely 17 hours to shoot an entire video for Madonna that he and the late, great cinematographer, Harris Savides, incorporated the very same lighting scheme.
1: Freda Garbo and Monroe, Dietrich and DiMaggio, Marlon Brando, Jimmy Dean, on the cover of a magazine, Grace Kelly, Harlow, Jean, picture of a beauty queen, Jean, Kelly, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, dance on air, they Hayworth gave good faith, Lauren Catherine Manitou, Betty Davis, we love you, ladies with an attitude, fellas that were in the mood, don't just stand there, let's get to it, strike a pose, there's nothing to it. Boak. 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 Boak.
0: But history has supplied yet a third meaning to Lerner's English lyrics. In the search to cast Lola Lola, literally thousands of actresses under a certain age from all across Germany came forward to audition. One of them was a then-established actress, Lenny Riefenstahl. Riefenstahl and Dietrich had been born months apart in Berlin, and as aspiring actresses, their paths crossed numerous times. And indeed at one point, they lived so close to one another that they could see each other through their apartment windows. But however tangential their paths may have been, they soon veered in pronouncedly different directions. The films Riefenstahl made were a genre unique to German cinema, Bergfilme, or Mountain Films, outdoor adventures set high in the Alps. Vying for, but ultimately losing out to Dietrich as the urbane modern woman in The Blue Angel, Riefenstahl returned to being the outdoor female embodying what an emerging faction in Germany saw as the epitome of the Teutonic heroine. With renewed determination, Riefenstahl then set her sights on making her own films, and two years later she wrote, produced, directed and starred in the Blue Light. While nowhere near as successful as the Blue Angel, the Blue Light was in some quarters a commercial and critical hit, with Riefenstahl being heralded as a filmmaker with a unique visual sensibility. Then everything changed. The Nazis swept into power, and while Riefenstahl fluttered like a moth to their flame, it was Dietrich who again kept her distance. Although propaganda minister Joseph Goebbels asked her to come back to Germany, Offering all manner of lucrative contracts, Dietrich refused to even meet with the Nazis' ambassador, which meant that Riefenstahl became the woman most central to Germany's film industry, and that meant its propaganda. Thus, she made Triumph of the Will, which documented the Nazis' Nuremberg rally in 1934. By the time the war broke out five years later, Dietrich had become an American citizen, and she devoted herself to entertaining the Allied troops fighting against fascism
1: hello boys i want to say that sharing this entertainment with you today is to me more important than doing the entertaining i had hardly thought it possible that entertainment of such high caliber could be presented out here in the field i wish to add my respect and admiration along with general clark and irving berlin to the men and women of the fifth army if morale is kept as high such as i've seen during my visit here in italy i'm certain that we can look forward to a
0: speedy victory Goodbye, good luck, Godspeed. Meanwhile, Riefenstahl stepped even closer to the Nazis' flame, securing their financing for her new film, Tiefland. Adapted from a German opera, which itself used as its source a Spanish play, Riefenstahl once again wrote, produced, directed and took the lead role. Although set in Spain and focusing on the social conflict between farmers and landowners, most of the filming of Tiefland took place in Germany with the big production demanding many extras. One particular scene called for Riefenstahl to dance before an adoring crowd. That adoring crowd had to pass as Spanish. But there were simply not enough Spaniards in the Bavarian region. So Riefenstahl simply corralled many Sinti and Roma people already interned at the Nazi concentration camp of Leopoldskron near Salzburg. Then, when the scenes were finished, the Sinti and Roma were transported onto Auschwitz. You can read a lot more about these two women in Karen Wieland's fascinating biography, Dietrich and Riefenstahl, Hollywood, Berlin, and A Century in Two Lives. It brilliantly depicts how some people flock like moths to the flame, while others act as a magnet for the light. With that in mind, consider the lighting that illuminated Hitler's Nuremberg rallies, and compare that to how Dietrich inspired Hollywood cinematographers to create a whole new lighting scheme
1: just to be like moth around the flame. And if their wings burn, I know I'm not to blame.
0: Falling
1: in love again, never wanted to. Want a girl to do, I just can't help it.